Hi everyone and welcome. This is the Health Tech Narrative Podcast. A podcast where I speak about everything to do with healthcare and technology. I'm your host Divyam Tripathi and thanks for joining in. Hello and welcome to the Health Tech Narrative podcast. Uh, today's episode is great. It's something that I wanted to do for a very very long time. We have Dr. Indu Bhushan with us who is the ex CEO of the NHA. Uh he's uh he's he's agreed to join on uh, onto this podcast to speak about uh, a number of things including India's digital health ecosystem and where it's at right now and and I think this is a very pertinent conversation for uh, for the times we're in and for the fact that healthcare and health tech in India need uh, uh, an upgradation um and I'm very happy to uh, have you on this uh, podcast uh, Dr Bhushan thank you thank you so much for joining thank thank you Divyam I'm, I'm really delighted to be with you and uh, I'll share whatever I know uh, about the questions that you have at you know I just wanted to uh, sort of have this opportunity to understand your background you were you were at uh, the iit and now you've become one of the leaders in global health and your career journey is incredibly fascinating you know you've been an uh, ias officer uh, you've had your tenure at the world bank and the asian development bank and eventually leading uh, ayushman bharat as its uh, ceo so could you take uh, take us through this uh, journey of yours uh thank you divyam and uh, uh glad to be uh, speaking to you and you are absolutely right that i've had very unique uh, uh, journey professional journey and very fascinating fascinating one i've been extremely fortunate that i got several breaks and uh, which uh, took me to uh, all these places i've lived in three places uh, three different countries and uh, for a long time and i have visited more than 80 uh countries and most of them for work so i find myself extremely fortunate uh, having done that and you're right my journey from iit uh to ayushman bharat has been a long one uh i was in the ias uh, rajasthan cadre before that briefly in up cadre i had to change to rajasthan because my wife uh, was in rajasthan and that was a big change uh, you know for uh, my family because i come from up and in up if you have an ias officer as your son or relative that's a huge thing and i was leaving uh, up and going to rajasthan so no one was happy but uh, they were in for a bigger shock because i also left the ias uh, later and i uh, went to uh, first do my phd uh, at hopkins johns hopkins uh, health economics and then i was with the world bank uh, worked there in washington dc and then i came to uh, asian development bank where i was for there for 21 years and i uh, was involved with many of their uh, leading projects i was uh, uh, director general for strategy and policy and i was the only non japanese uh, person uh, to become uh, dg for strategy and policy uh, adb has a very strong japanese influence and uh, some of the key positions and uh, dg of uh, strategy is considered very key because uh, mm-hmm. the person not only uh, decides the strategy of the bank but also allocates resources across the bank so i was there and i was very fortunate and really enjoyed that and then i was uh, in charge of uh, dg for east asia and uh, uh, looking after 
uh, many countries, including uh, People's Republic of China. So it was a fascinating experience uh, uh, working with China and dealing with the top uh, policy makers in China. It was also a very uh, learning experience for me because China, uh, what they've done in the last 30 years is really remarkable in all, all different fields. And uh, it was uh, 2018, early 2018, and it was uh, uh, out of the blue that uh, I get this call from Prime Minister's office that uh, Prime Minister wants to uh, wants me to uh, join and uh, uh, implement uh, Ayushman Bharat. And of course, uh, once uh, you get a chance like that, uh, it's a, a once in the lifetime thing that uh, uh, any professional can uh, ask for. So mm -hmm. of course. Uh, uh, I said yes, but they wanted me to join the next day, and I said, you know, uh, I am uh, leading a department here, and uh, I am um, dealing with China, and I really can't up and leave. I have commitments here, and so I negotiated four days. That within four days, uh, I was here. Uh, uh, my wife uh, later packed and came and joined me, but uh, uh, and then. Uh, I was so happy and so fortunate that I got this chance and opportunity to uh, establish National Health Authority, uh, uh, start, design and implement uh, Ayushman Bharat and later on uh, do the pilot and start uh, National Digital Health Mission which became Ayushman Bharat Digital Mission later. So, uh, and, uh, so I consider myself among the most fortunate and lucky professionals who've done all different things. So the kind of uh, things I've done, I've uh, worked in Vietnam extensively, China, Thailand, and uh, Central Asian countries, uh, worked in the World Bank, worked, in, worked before that in IES, uh, in Rajasthan uh, uh, as collector, and then ultimately uh, last position was uh, Ayushman Bharat and Digital Mission. So uh, it's been a really very fascinating journey where I've learned a lot and I've met with a lot of uh, exciting uh, people, young people like you, Divyam, uh, who have uh, actually taught me a lot. Hmm. Right. I'm sure you're, it's the other way around. I'm sure you're the one who's doing all the teaching. It's a fascinating journey. I'm sure you're, you're, you're saying that you're, you're lucky, but hmm. I believe uh, just hearing that there, there are a few, there are, it, it does not come without risks because I think leaving the IAS service uh, can be seen as something that is pretty shocking. My wife uh, uh, has been very supportive, but uh, at times she's been very exasperated uh, with my moves. And when I was trying to move to the U.S. for studies, and she, was, she didn't understand why we have to leave a very cushy life. Uh, I used to be the uh, district magistrate collector of Dosa and a huge house and uh, yeah. a lot of support. And then I go as a graduate student where I was living in dorm, uh, which was... Uh, half the size of my uh, maybe <laughs> guard box uh, in my office, in my house, and so people were saying uh, maybe he's. Uh, I think there's something wrong with his mind. Maybe sometimes people uh, lose their uh, um, mind, and maybe that's what's happening this is the guy. And then I left uh, uh, the World Bank and came to Asian Development Bank. That was also not seen as a uh, very proper move. People said. Washington DC is a much better place to live uh, and uh, World Bank is a better place to work at and uh, again I am uh, glad that I moved to ADB because that gave me 
much uh, more flexibility and uh, opportunities. And again, leaving ADB when I was at the top of the game and coming here, uh, people say, oh, here he goes again uh, mm -hmm. doing that. But uh, frankly, Divyam, if I have to do all of this all over again, I'll do exactly what I did because I think uh, uh, finally, uh, unless you take chances, uh, you, I think uh, uh, you don't gain any much. And I used to say that, you know, if you're not living on the edge, probably you are taking too much space and <laughs> mm. that's what uh, comes out. It's clear that you've had a very uh, a diverse educational background. I want to understand how this is uh, your, your, your perspective on healthcare services and health economics is how has that, uh, you know, shaped your perspective of developing healthcare, uh, mm. particularly in a developing country like India? Hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I have to be very frank that while my initial work in IAS was in health and that's how I got interested in health and that's why I did my uh, PhD in health economics uh, from Johns Hopkins which is considered one of the best uh, universities in, on public health uh, and uh, with the World Bank I was working in the health sector in Nigeria and Ghana. Uh, and I joined ADB as a health specialist and I was in the initial five, six years, I was in the health sector. And uh, I learned a lot from the health systems in uh, Thailand and Vietnam, which uh, still remain one of the model health sectors uh, in the world, not only in Asia. And uh, so the way they have prioritized health and the way they financed health, the way uh, they have achieved uh, these health outcomes uh, uh, which are much higher than people or countries at the same level of uh, per capita income uh, is something to uh, something to uh, aspire for and same thing is uh, applicable for China and China is fascinating in the sense that they used to have very high level of health indicators uh, and a very strong health system and uh, uh, all of us have heard about barefoot doctors and how they provided the public health to rural areas, uh, but when they started opening up uh, after uh, 1989, uh, there was a period of 10 years when uh, there was a big problem and uh, they realized that at the time of SARS uh, in 2004 and the shock of SARS actually, uh, they were at the same, same level as we are now and they realized that they need to put in much more money and uh, uh, after that, uh, they've made the systems much stronger and they've started putting in a lot of money. They've uh, increased their state funding by more than 100%. And now, uh, in terms of uh, uh, the health indicators, they've come back uh, as the pre-liberalization days. And uh, in terms of uh, out-of-pocket expenditure, they've gone down in terms of quality of services, uh, they're improving in terms of uh, uh, catastrophic health impact and universal health coverage, I think a lot of progress has been done. So I think uh, there are lessons uh, uh, from all over the world and uh, maybe in India uh, we can learn from uh, uh, those countries, even though those countries may be small and uh, not as diverse and complex as India. I mean, if you're saying that uh, when SARS had hit China, they we're at the same level as India is right now. I'm assuming it's in terms of 
the system the healthcare system china's model could be something that india uh, could follow it's not undoable it's hmm. not it's not something that cannot be well, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, entirely doable Divya, because uh, what they've achieved is in 10 years time they've uh, increased the proportion of people who were covered uh, for healthcare uh, uh, against catastrophic health illness uh, to almost about 80-90% from a very small number in 2004. So wow. I think within 10 years, if we have a plan, we can we put resources, uh, we can achieve the levels of uh, what we uh, what China has and maybe surpass, surpass that. Mm. When China opened up, uh, the health infrastructure took a hit. What is it about opening up economy and liberalization per se that could affect a healthcare system because that's a uh, that's a connection I can't draw. So uh, the issue is that you know uh, healthcare is something uh, which uh, has a lot of uh, elements of public good. Uh, so it has to be provided by the government because private sector uh, will not have incentive to provide. Uh, those services. Uh, for example, take uh, immunization, take uh, health education, take uh, preventive health. Uh, all that uh, uh, requires very strong state intervention and uh, we have to provide those services. That's one issue. Uh, second issue is that uh, uh, there has to be a system where everyone has access to health services, uh, not only access to health services but quality services which are affordable and so uh, so providing quality services which are affordable uh, is something that government has to uh, ensure because if you just leave it to the private sector private sector will be coming from profit motive and they don't have any incentive to provide quality services where there is no paying capacity Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, you can see, uh, in India, uh, eight large cities in the country have most, about 80% of uh, tertiary uh, health care. And that is also because of the same thing, that uh, these are the places where there is uh, paying capacity. There's, uh, it's easier for private sector to uh, get uh, uh, doctors and um, create those facilities and that's why a uh, large proportion of population will not have access to these services. Even if they have access to these services, uh, most of them can't afford it, right? So the government has a role to play in terms of making them affordable. And there are many uh, models uh, how uh, government can play a role. Uh, now traditionally one can follow uh, what UK has done a national health service uh, model where government provides all these services and uh, it's uh, free and basically all the services are being financed through tax uh, and then but there could be other models which have been uh, followed uh, uh, now uh, in China and uh, other countries where uh, it's both public and private uh, sector which are providing services but in terms of uh, buying services, there is a, a compact uh, which is uh, between the whole society where um, uh, no one is uh, uh, being denied services because uh, uh, they pool uh, funding 
and uh, I, let me just unpack what pooling means. Uh, pooling means that uh, uh, the sick people are using services, but uh, uh, they are not the one paying for services exclusively. Uh, there is a compact that uh, is being subsidized by government, uh, it's being subsidized by uh, healthy people, uh, uh, services for uh, uh, elderly is being subsidized by, uh, by young people, uh, and poor people are being subsidized by uh, rich people. So, for example, if everyone is part of, say, I'm just uh, taking one extreme example, is part of one health insurance scheme where everyone is paying premium, and premium uh, is, uh, in, uh, is uh, proportional to, say, what the income is, then everyone is covered, and everyone is paying for it uh, according to their uh, uh, means, uh, and they're using services according to their needs. So mm. that kind of system where uh, there is a compact in the society, uh, which is uh, based on a progressive uh, uh, premium that everyone is paying and mm -hmm. the services being available to everyone is what we need to achieve. So now there are many uh, ways in which Models. we provide these services. And uh, yeah. so uh, India has to see or our country right, has to yeah. see which is the best model for us. So in the pooling model that you just mentioned, that's something where, uh, where you, like it's progressive, uh, you know, premium, it depends mm -hmm. on how much income you have, but there is no discrimination based on the kind of healthcare services that one can yeah. get. Yeah. Okay. See, All right. uh, if you take NHS, their yeah. uh, pooling is done through taxes. Yes. So uh, rich people are moving more, more tax and uh, poor mm -hmm. people pay either no tax or very small amount of tax. All mm -hmm. that tax income is uh, used for providing services and everyone services. is covered, right? Yes. And it could be supplemented by, say, uh, another system where uh, there is a health insurance, which is uh, provided either by the government, but also could be through uh, private insurance, where mm -hmm. a premium is charged. For poor people, government can pay the premium. Mm -hmm. uh, for uh, near poor, probably they can pay a small amount of premium and rich mm -hmm. people will pay the whole premium okay. and uh, then they can use services both in the public sector and private sector, right? So uh, some sort of a system can work. So uh, going back to your original question, uh, why in a free market uh, health system does not work? Uh, mm -hmm. It is because uh, government has to have a role in terms of equalizing uh, the access to services and also in terms of ensuring that poor people uh, can afford services uh, mm -hmm. and they uh, when, when they need it and sick people uh, can afford services uh, especially the catastrophic uh, health expenditure is covered by someone correct just quickly do you think uh, the u.s healthcare system is an example of healthcare in a free market yeah u.s health system is an example of what we should not follow Yes. Uh, because I think uh, uh, there are large distortions there and uh, where the cost uh, has gone through the roof, at the same time, quality has not improved. And it's uh, extremely difficult to uh, get appointments and uh, uh, so coverage of services is extremely poor. poor. So I think yes. uh, uh, U.S. can be an example of uh, what not to do probably for India. Absolutely.